Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is Kara Swisher. And this is Scott Galloway. Scott, did you watch the Oscars? You know, I didn't. Well, I sort of did. I watched the—I've turned into one of these millennials. I watched the four-minute recaps, and then I I like it. I watched the six-minute recap. But Uh I heard that they actually hit a low point where it took them 19 minutes to do three awards. So it was I slow. I didn't watch it at all. I don't. I, I watch it in pieces too. The same I thing. did have a, a really nice moment though. Um, I was flying last night. I like to I fly on Sunday nights, and I watched. I downloaded uh, the movie Parasite onto my phone. Yes. I can't download it onto my computer because Apple has a monopoly, but it's made it really easy on my phone, such that I'll buy more high margin product. But anyways, it's a totally different talk show. And I finished that show, and I thought that the the ultimate white guy flick, 1917, was going to win. Yeah. Motion pictures have come under warranted criticism that it's essentially, you know, it's always about white redemption. And mm-hmm. the British and the Americans beating the Germans, I think, is somehow the ultimate white-on-white redemption. So, yes, indeed. And it's also telling the same story in a new way. Like, let's 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 talk about the amazing story of Judy Garland. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I would If, if there she, was C.D. Romstel— I would buy that film just to take it home and erase it. But anyways, okay. the the oh, and then I watched Parasite and that movie ended and I yeah. thought I thought Whoa. that movie deserves best picture. See? And I got off Me too. I got off the plane and I got the CNN alert. I'll tell you the, the Motion Picture Academy Award or whatever they call themselves. Yeah. Huge brand move last night. I thought so too. I listen, I watched it the night before of all things. I hadn't watched it and it seemed scary like Get Out and I didn't really I liked Get Out but I didn't like the feeling I had after it. And yeah. so I watched it. We watched it uh the night before and I got to tell you blown away by that yeah. movie. Blown away. And and then when it won, it was great. And the guy who, who was, uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, but he, he gave his speech in Korean, uh, gave such a classy speech. Everyone else, I was like, literally, if you possibly are going to win an Academy Award, you should have a speech prepared, you idiots. Everyone had like kind of collotish speeches, essentially, yeah. uh, including Joaquin Phoenix and Renee Zellwinger. I just wasn't impressed by their speeches. But he had a beautiful, funny speech, and he actually paid tribute to all the white guy directors, just so you yeah. know. Like, you know, Martin Scorsese and, and Quentin Tarantino sitting there when we beat. And so that's a that's a hell of a move. And you're right. It was a brand move. Talk about the brand move part of it. Because I was like, this is the first international film to win uh, Best Picture in, I think, 92 years. It also won Best International Film. It won Best Screenplay. Talk about the brand play. Because I agree. I thought, well, finally, they're moving into the future, essentially. This was, this was just—I um, I mean, I, I don't I want to say it was cooked, but they couldn't have been— any smarter in terms of when you think about a brand, you think about you go through. I always ask the kids when I say the kids, the students to go through and do an audit of find two or three people that are close to them and ask to say, okay, what are my strengths? Give me two or three strengths. Give me two or three weaknesses. And then the first thing you need to do is assess whether any of those weaknesses are getting in the way of your life. You're too emotional or you struggle with anger, or you struggle with substances, or you're painfully shy. You know, what are the things getting in the way of your professional mm-hmm. advancement? And they're never going to be. They're never going to be assets for you, but the key is to dial them down or create some sort of behavior modification such that you can get back to sea level and they're not – they don't get in the way of things. Yeah. And the motion picture or the academy um, uh, of motion picture and sciences or whatever it's called, it had really gotten to a point where they were, had become a vehicle – for white people giving other white people awards. And mm-hmm. it, there's huge economic implications because the movie that wins Best Picture gets another 30 to $150 million. And it was as if they had, they had almost gotten to the point where there was nothing they could do about it because it goes back to this notion that loyalty is a function of intimacy and contact. 
And all of these people have contact with each other and they relate to their own stories. They yeah, relate they to, do. I mean, I didn't even see the movie, The Green Mile or whatever it was called, mm-hmm. The Green, the with, whatever, uh, yeah. But I saw it. I knew it was. I'm like, let yeah, me get it. They, I didn't either. I won't watch they typecast, it. I they typecast yeah. a black guy as a genius and being an incredible moral character. You know, they create an unattainable bar for any black person. And then it's some Joey Bag of Donuts white guy that it's politically correct to show him as an asshole. And then by the end of the movie, he finds reasons to, to overcome his innate racism. I mm-hmm. mean, you just know that's what the movie is. And that's how Hollywood sees themselves. Mm-hmm. It's always about... Why Redemption, it's always about dudes. And it's gotten, it gotten to a point where they were in such an echo chamber they couldn't bust out. And this was, this yeah. was, and, and the, other, the other thing about movies, it's no storytelling that someone uh, at the Academy Awards said that it just really struck me is that their real objective, the way they make themselves bigger than themselves, is they're arguably the most effective tool in the history of mankind to create more empathy. And that is you have an opportunity through great storytelling and visuals to go somewhere and be somewhere else and be some and, and be someone else and really understand what it's like to walk in their shoes. And I'll tell you, I, that movie, I, I love the fact it was. that it was in Here, Korea, here's the, here's the China, thing, It was actually the best movie, by the way, FYI. Yeah. But it and was also— income inequality, the way—it yes. didn't make rich—it made, it made rich people a bit cartoonish, but it didn't make them evil. It didn't make no. them like the bad guys. And no. It, it well, except showed, for one point. At one point with the flood, you're like, oh, God, geez. Yeah, that was rough. You know, that was but rough. I'm saying it, it, they made, they were kind of fatuous is what they were. Not not evil, but just like out—they they were in their bubble of comfort. But what, And that house was perfect in that regard, and that was all on a soundstage, which is amazing. But what I thought was really interesting about this movie was, was the visuals, which you don't even realize, of movement from upstairs to downstairs and then further downstairs. And the poor oh, people— Oh, that's a great observation. The, I didn't even think the of that. The poor people fighting against each other. Uh, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that they, you punch down. You don't punch up. To and, get out of the downstairs. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it just keeps going down. And one of the things that, besides that being so brilliant in that regard, and I think Get Out had that element too to it, um, was that it was it was global. When they won, I, I can't believe, I thought this exactly when they won, which was like, oh, a global film world. Like, finally. You know what I mean? This is a global yeah. movie. And while the others are quite, and I think all movies are global in a different way, but this was a truly global movie. Parasite. 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 See it. We give it two thumbs up. We're going to move to a different topic. Speaking of income inequality, the jobs report, it was better than expected. 225,000 jobs in uh, January. The unemployment rate uh, ticked up slightly, but um, a lot of jobs were up. Hospitality and construction, manufacturing were down because of trade disputes in Boeing, warehousing and transportation jobs were up. Um, But still, the rate of how much people make still didn't rise. It's just, it still remains this uh, this economy where there's uh, lots of jobs and at the same time uh, wages are not going up in any significant way. So any thoughts about this? Uh, it, it's, it was a good jobs report, but I still think underneath it is this theme that Bernie Sanders and others are talking about, which is wage growth is lackluster. Yeah, it demonstrates in the rot in our society, and that is you, you can find a job, but you can't make a living. And you know, yes, exactly. in, I forget if it's Indonesia or Malaysia, there's almost full employment. Unfortunately, it's driving rich people around or cleaning cleaning their clothes. So we we have work. We have lots of work. We, we're always studying to the wrong test here. We look at the unemployment rate as if it's some sign of prosperity. You're absolutely right. It's wage growth. It's the life. It's the life you lead given that you're working all the time. It's the life you lead given that you don't get to spend as much time with your family, it's the life you lead when you have to make the trade-off of not being around your kid as much as you should be when you're, 
you know, in those formative years. And the life you lead in America when you decide to work has gotten substantially less nice. Mm -hmm. Our quality of life has gone down for everyone but the top 10% whose quality of life has outpaced any reasonable metric. And we come up with a bunch of, you know, we talk about unemployment. First off, the unemployment number and the jobs number will be revised 12 times in the next 12 months. This is like a starting point. They'll Mm -hmm. announce in a month, oh, we're revising it, et cetera. And then the thing we don't talk about is the the mother of all butts here is give me a trillion-dollar credit card, Kara, and I'll give you some sort of illusion of prosperity that's much greater than this. With, With low unemployment... And with a trillion dollars in deficit spending, yeah. there should be it should be it should be champagne and cocaine for anybody who gets up at nine a.m. I mean, it's just nuts. And so the nuts, the the, the idea that this is in any way uh, uh, somewhat of a positive indicator, yeah. I just think. And then I always see I always see monopoly power and everything. Look at the sectors that are growing: healthcare and education. <laughs> yeah, and healthcare and education are probably the least concentrated businesses. In the United States. And then the industry is shedding jobs, mm-hmm. manufacturing, right. and retail. And yeah. who makes more stuff and makes more money as a monopoly? These guys, right? right. With my, where I watched Parasite last night. And then, oh, and who's the biggest? What about, let's talk about retail, where almost every one and two dollars in market capitalization now goes to one player who's, by the way, going to the, going to the Oscars. Yes. Has he not talked to the dog? The key to happiness, the algorithm for yeah. happiness is to be rich and anonymous. Bezos needs to be, he is not good when he's off his chain. He's well, not good. he likes dressing up and going. He likes wearing, he went to, I'm sure he went to all the parties and stuff like that. Who yeah, that? yeah. Well, good yeah. for him. But anyways, well, he was there. His headcount rose. The headcount there rose uh, a lot, quite a bit. in the Second in largest the, employer in the nation now. Right. No, no, so no, what does no, that no, mean? What does that mean from a tech point of view? I mean, these are, are these good jobs? These are, don't seem to be good jobs or, or they'll say they're good jobs, but many people do not believe them to be good jobs. Well, they're hiring both. They're hiring at headquarters, which are fantastic jobs. They're, they're, I, I do think that Amazon, It's. I think it's hard to, when you're stacking up all the positives and all the negatives, and I spend way more, too much time talking about the negatives, but on an employment standpoint, they're fantastic. I, I would argue on the whole, they're a very strong employer. I mean, there's a lot of stories that the yeah. criticism they've fallen under, a third of their warehouse workers in Arizona are on food stamps and stuff like that, and that they take advantage of government subsidies. But that's nothing that Walmart or a bunch yeah, of other people agreed. have been doing. They put in place minimum wage, recognizing they have more capital and they can drive Target and Walmart out of business if they start raising wages. And the jobs, the jobs at headquarters are fantastic jobs. They're great careers for people. Yeah. It's an intense culture, but I think that's good for young people right out of school. But the the jobs number, or they're the, now the second largest the second largest employer, and it's hard to believe that um, we are again at record low on them. It's 3.5%. It ticked up to 3.6. The most encouraging thing in the number was that it ticked up. Unemployment ticked up despite the fact we added a lot of jobs, which says that people are being drawn back into the workforce. Right. And our labor participation rate is going up, which I think is a good thing because I think work is, is, um, uh, I think- Makes people happier. That's right. That's 100%. The two things that really drive your happiness is how you feel about your work and how you feel about your Let me just get back to our previous discussion, Parasite. That was all about work and not enough work and how do you find work and the things you do to work. Correct? That's right. Okay. Let's talk about Uber's earning call this week. Scott, I knew you had some things to say about it. Uh, Okay. Uber is now in full yoga babble. And I've started this thing called the Yoga Babble Index where I do a word cloud and then look at ridiculous words. Let me just read you something from the Uber. Everyone was excited. Their growth was up. Mm -hmm. They're only losing a billion dollars and the stock moved 10 
uh, up 10% in what has become a total kabuki dance called a public company earnings call, which are staged Broadway productions where they pre-pick the analysts mm-hmm. to, to, to ask softball questions. This is verbatim from the call. We're making proactive changes to achieve significant cost leverage for both rides and eats through a focused operating playbook, including improved machine learning algos and further automation and targeting of our incentive and online marketing spend, stronger tracking and focus for our offline marketing campaigns, the reduction of defect rates and improved self-service tools to improve customer sentiment. What does that, what well. does any of that mean? Mm. What does any of that mean? They're like, they're the Rudy Giuliani of the information age. Let's just overwhelm them with, with ridiculous words, this way, X way, and then line up some softballs. Well, those have always, I've always been ridiculous. fun of those earnings calls because the analysts are just terrible. I, I used to do a live vlog of Yahoo earnings, and I'd always make fun of the earnings. Uh, and by the way, this is courtesy nothing. of my buddy Richard Kramer, who's a genius at a rut. N- uh, nothing fresh in, in that analysts are, are, are do softball questions these things. But he did say, if you want to cut to it, he expects the company yeah. to be profitable. Uh, what do you think about that projection? By this time next year, he expects the company to be profitable. Well, it will be profitable based on um, made-up metrics. They'll come up with their own metrics. They'll say, yes, we were profitable if you look at everything but our costs. They'll come, right now, they're already reporting something called segment-adjusted EBITDA, which is what I would refer to as fraud-splaining. Mm-hmm. It's basically, let's take out the costs and then invent our own profit number. On a gap basis, on a gap basis, I will drive an Uber for a day, which isn't a big deal. I've always thought about doing that. It'd be kind of interesting. I'll, I'll make a bet, not that Dara Kasusahi wants to make a bet with me. On a gap basis, there's no way this company is profitable. All right, so I'm going to ask you one final question. This time no. next year, it's been prof- It's been it's been uh, the first year as a public company. Uh, Dara no. obviously took over a very tough business. Um, this time next year, where will it be? So I, this is who. This is who we should have on the show, and that is we should have Mark Mahaney, who's the best internet analyst. My bias, my bias against Uber clouds my thinking here because Mark Mahaney, you know, there's certain people when they speak, mm-hmm. you immediately question your, your viewpoint. Jeffrey Sonnenfeld's one for me. Mark Mahaney's one for me. You're a little bit that way, not much, a little bit. <laughs> but Mark Mahaney, he likes this company. He's yeah, got a long call on That's it, right. and he is, he is very good. So we should bring him on. But speaking, speaking, mm-hmm. speaking of calls and predictions, let's revisit. We're not good at revisiting. What did I say about Casper? What Trouble. did the dog say about right. his dog right. bed? Yes. It, you said it would take okay. longer after the lockups were off. You didn't say within days. Well, hold on. You said not within Price days. Priced at 17 to 19. Mm-hmm. They repriced it at 12 yeah. so, so they could have a pop. Mm-hmm. It opened at 1071 today. Yeah. It's already got, yeah. it's already crashing. And I, we said our prediction was it would be single digits by March 1. Yeah. It's going to be single digits probably at the end of the day. All right. Right. This thing is little. It's the blue apron of um, of two thousand and twenty. Good, good prediction. But what do you think of? Do you think Uber gets to profitability? No, I think you're correct. I'm on your side, not Mark Mahaney's. I think it's a troubled business. I think it's. I think it's it, unless prices go up. Prices have to go up, and then it's a growth problem. So you know, it's a growth problem. Then I, I think if prices go up, sure, why not? You know, it's a good problem. So speaking about work, I wanted to do a behind the scenes talking out of school okay. segment called Scott and Vox. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, no. This is going to make everyone very uncomfortable. All right, we've got a few minutes. We have a guest coming up, so let us— Okay, what okay, do you so it's clear you and I, it's clear Pivot, are now the tallest midget, and we are literally the star mm-hmm. of NBC Must See Thursday Vox or whatever it is we do here, <laughs> right? It's like everyone is calling me and, and being really nice to me, and I'm having dinner tomorrow night with the yes, CEO of Vox. Yes, I understand Vox. that, yeah. 
and Bankoff, who seems like the nicest man in the world, and Marty Moe, who's also, who's like the second nicest man in the world, and like, what can we do for you? What can we do for you? So it's obvious you're the Michael Jordan here, and I'm the Scotty Pippen. They're like, okay, make sure Scotty's happy every once in a while. Just check in with Scotty. Who is Scotty Pippen? Oh, my God. Really? You don't know who Scotty Pippen is? No. Oh, he's he was like the number two. He was one of the most amazing basketball players in the in history. Except he had the he had the misfortune of playing on the Chicago Bulls when Michael Jordan was playing. You know, it's kind of Michael Jordan and the Seven Dwarves, right? right. So no one remembers no one remembers Scotty. Anyways, I'm Scotty Pippen. So last week, and by the way, people love it. What are we getting to here? Where are we going with this situation? (laughs) Bring it home. All right, bring it home. Land it, land it, Scott. When you got angry at me with the Sheryl Sandberg thing, you sent me a text message at 11.30 p.m. and you were very angry. You called it deeply uncool and it really hurt my feelings Mm because I'm this terrible combination of offensive yet insensitive, which Mm -hmm. is just the worst place, the worst type of person (laughs) in the world. I offend others, yet I find reason related to be Mission accomplished. Go ahead. And so you got me really upset and it got me thinking, outside of the house, I'm an extrovert and I offend like there's no tomorrow and I'm very aggressive and very, very much pursue conflict. When I'm at home, I like harmony. And in my home, my son has just finished the fifth grade, which I describe in academic terms as shit gets real. They decide to start Mm -hmm. giving kids C's and D's. And my wife loses her shit and goes after my 12-year-old, this is unacceptable, no more electronics, you're not right. playing basketball. Right. And the dog leaves the room. It gets so uncomfortable and ugly, and I okay. want to leave the room. I want to go into the fetal position. I do not right. like what, it. Where are we landing goes, this particular plane? Let's, uh, where are we going here? So he goes into his room. He goes yeah. into his room. And my role is to go in there and make a plan with him. And then with my boys, I adjust their back. I rub their ears, and I do geography questions and quizzes to relax them. They go to sleep. The next morning, they wake up. Mm-hmm. Everything's fine. The scar tissue heals over. The muscle that's damaged grows back stronger. And then when they're 19 and they get their heart broken or get their first death, they're not going to freak out. So on the whole, it's a good thing. Yeah. But it is really painful for me. And it was really painful for me when you sent that message. So oh. Bankoff keeps saying, what can I do for you? So I have figured it out. Oh, no. When you send me mean text messages at 1130 <laughs> that upset me, I want Bankoff to come over, crack my back, rub my ears, and ask Just, me what the capital of Iceland is. Oh, my God. Really? I'm not going to send you any more texts. Good God. Good it's God. It's Reykjavik, Kara. It's Reykjavik. All right. You know what, Scott? I will not send you mean texts anymore at 1130, but it wasn't it mean at all, feelings. but whatever. It okay. hurt my feelings. No, at 1130 I, at oh, night. Oh, my God. I, I'm always up on the text, Scott. You understand. You are. You're always <laughs> but up I will on do. that text I thing. promise. I didn't tweet at you. Did I? Did I? No, I did not. Did not. No, thanks. Yeah, that, that'd that be good. That, <laughs> yeah, let's take our arguments to Twitter. <laughs> that that I would not, make sense. Me, I'm going to only send you nice things from now on on, 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 on text. How about that? Because it's I so that offensive was a human to interest you at home. Story, but, but during the, the work day, let me just tell you, you are there. it is gloves off. Work day, you are going to get mean texts. It's it? That's it? All right. Yes, we're going to take a—I'm sorry I made you upset, I guess, I suppose. Anyway, Scott, we're going to take a quick break. Go on. When we get back, speaking of lovely people who are going to massage your ears, friend of Pivot, Andrew Ross Sorkin, is here. And we're going to talk about a bunch of things around the stock market, about Instagram, and everything else when we get back. Okay, we're back, and we have Friends of Pivot Live, and we brought our friend Andrew Ross Sorkin here. He's on the line. He's obviously the New York Times columnist and Squawk Box host, and we're going to talk about a couple things. He's also, you know, I don't know if you know this, uh, Andrew, but uh, Scott has a man crush on you. Scott, say hello. Well, he knows that we had dinner. I got it. We had dinner. It's it's mutual, the man crush. Come on. That's right. It's real. That's right. 
His wife is lovely. Yes. He, and Andrew's Thank actually you quite very much as is yours. It was, we had a we had a ball together. Did you? Yeah. It's it's Andrew's actually a neurotic mess, which I didn't know. Yeah, That's what that I figured out. True. He's wow. actually it's all a front. It is so a front. Here's what I want to know. Why wasn't I invited to this dinner? Huh? Finally, well, we're going to do it. Finally, we're doing the one next week. We'll do, you and me. That's right. Yeah, we are. Right. All right. Fair point. All right. Listen to me. Listen to me. We're going to talk things. And now that you've had your moment together, and I'm so glad we brought you together. Um, we're going to talk Instagram. Um, Scott, a few weeks ago, you said that Facebook would become the next trillion-dollar company off the back of the Instagram e-commerce. Andrew, uh, we want to talk a little bit about these trillion-dollar companies. And since then, Instagram has made some other big moves, including the start of a prototype program that will allow IGTV creators to monetize content by showing ads in their videos. So how big is this for Instagram and e-commerce as a platform? And generally, are you expecting big things out of this model on Instagram? Are you expecting a bust? So I know you want us to disagree, but I actually, I don't even disagree, but I, the only thing I disagree about is I actually think it's going to even be bigger than that. I think that long term, Instagram has the opportunity to become the ultimate super app insofar as it not just being a straight e-commerce play where people are, you know, seeing a a pair of jeans or a dress or whatever Mm -hmm. and, and buying that. I think it's going to launch media. You just talked mm-hmm. about the media component, but I think it could very well be that you launch Netflix shows off of it. You launch Hulu shows off of it. Uh, I think podcasts may get launched off of it. I could even see f- financial products getting launched off of it. I-, I kind of think it's it's one of those places where we may end up living our lives um, for better or worse and basically doing everything in it. I think we're very close to that, actually. Super app. I love this idea. Scott, that's yeah. actually like one of your that's kind That's actually of- a chill. It's a, it's a chilling thought because I hadn't thought of this before, but uh, Mark Zuckerberg is not afraid to make... I think there's a chill that's come out, and I'm curious what Andrew thinks here. I think there's a chill or a pall that's been cast over the big four, and they're not as acquisitive or as aggressive as they might be because they're worried about raising red flags for the DOJ or the media. But I don't think Mark Zuckerberg cares. I think he's a honey badger. I think Mark Zuckerberg just don't give a shit. And I could see him... I hadn't even thought about the whole movie or media angle. I wonder if Instagram could acquire a Spotify. Andrew, have you thought about who they might acquire to get some momentum around uh, kind of a Netflix-like internet? uh, Well, so I think there's two opportunities here. One is for them to acquire other businesses uh, like a Spotify uh, or get into the, you know, get into the music space, get into all of these different spaces. The other thing they could very well do, though, is just create effectively such a, a great interface that... It doesn't matter who it is, that it's all sort of integrated in, that they effectively create partnerships. They decide that, you know, that, um, you know, Lyft is their favorite or that Uber is their favorite or that Netflix is their favorite over Hulu or whatever it is. And then you see us all, I mean, us as consumers sort of living inside this app and jumping around. I mean, look, you're seeing, you're already seeing, we we just talked about jeans and dresses. What about Food. I mean, one of the great things on on Instagram is beautiful images of food. I think you'll start, bu- you know, buying all the food through that. It may be then you go off to restaurants. Because I mean, just think, I think the opportunity for how you know you could be you could be getting a reservation on an Open Table through right. Instagram. So, so well, their ads their ads are getting so predictive. It feels like at some yeah. point they could just start telling you, okay, trust us, click here. Yeah, my son has bought a bunch of stuff off of there, and it's interesting that he doesn't buy it other places. So in terms of getting into areas they haven't gotten into, like competing with Amazon, what happens to the Facebook app then? They, that's always known as the big blue app, and that's what sort of has, they've always said this is what spurs everything is the big blue app. But it's becoming less relevant, or this be, replaces it, or what? 
I think it replaces it. I'm not, look, but maybe I'm not a core Facebook user anymore. Uh, I'm on it. I check it out. I go over there. I, for better or worse, I don't know if you guys do this. I, when I post the Instagram picture, I also post to Facebook. I kind of feel like I'm cheating by doing it that way. But I, 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 that's, I, I don't know generation. Maybe it's a generational thing. And by the way, it may very well be that one generation lives on Facebook core and one, one generation lives off of Instagram. So what company? Possible. So I'm curious. I'm sorry to interrupt, Kara. What company? Fa- you're obviously bullish on Facebook and Instagram. What company that you talk about a lot, or we talk a lot about on CNBC? What company do you are you most skeptical on right now? Which of the big guys that we talk about are you are you Ooh, least bullish that's on? That's a good question. Of the of the fangs of anyone, just name a company. You think this, these guys are going to struggle? I think Snap's going to struggle, but I don't think that's like the hardest. I don't think that's so unconventional, right? Because because of Instagram, I mean, because Instagram's so dominant. Because of Instagram, because because Instagram killed them with, I mean, I think Instagram the killed stories. them with the stories. Well, what about Pinterest then? Do you think I mean, Pinterest is the same thing? Same game. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the same place. I, look, I like I like Ben. I, I want I want all these guys to succeed. Sure. Can they ever have the same kind of success that, that Facebook can with with what Instagram's created at this point? I think it's going to be very, so very you, challenging. You, you, Again, you just, though, to me, parts of Pinterest end up, I imagine, will show up inside right. some version yeah, of So what, what yeah. about news? Because you were talking about, because Facebook's always struggled with a couple of things. Commerce, because Amazon yeah. is in there, and media, right. because uh, uh, Amazon right. is in there also. Apple's in there. Google's gotten into media. And so Facebook hasn't really been in the media space as much. And then, uh, obviously, um, news itself, it, it, when I think of... Pre- they haven't nailed yeah. news. So they is this a way to do all, that? And we're all trying to figure out how to do it. I can't fathom for the life of me why they can't figure out some kind of Twitter-like copycat thing that lives inside Instagram on some kind of other tab. I'm just shocked that they haven't done so, it. Because I, th- I actually think if there was a Twitter-like functionality inside Instagram, we'd all agreed, be living in there. 100%. So, I can't figure it out either. When you say living in there, explain that for the people that you do. When I say living in I think I'd open my Instagram account in the morning and I wouldn't leave. Yeah. I think I would just be rock. I'd just be locked in there. I think I'd be... Flipping around between the news feed if they had it and they and they and they could productize it right, and I'd be living inside the sort of traditional feed of images. I I I am like you guys. I hit the ads. I think those ads. I don't know how they how they do it. Uh, you know those images. I look at them. I say, oh, I want that, and I click on it. And I and I can see that much more contextually in the long right. term, so that they're actually productizing my own image. I see. So, what about Twitter? What happens to Twitter in this? Because that was something Twitter was going to do, you know, in terms of getting you to do things or watch things or move you to things. And that was well. You tell me. Do you do we think that long term Twitter can do what Insta- if you think no one of them has to ape the other, yeah. right? But I think that on, for better or worse, Twitter. Look, I live on Twitter. I love Twitter, but I think it's all of us talking to each other. Yeah, it's this whole journalistic crowd and political. I don't know what and uh, political and some others. I don't know if that audience is ever the same size as Insta. So the real question is, why can't Insta try to ape Twitter? I think it's much harder for Twitter to ape, ape well, Insta. Does Twitter get bought? I mean, Scott, Scott, explain your theory of, of people taking over Twitter this year. Yeah, so uh, I, I don't even, I think Twitter... Uh, so I had a long position in Twitter. I actually sold last Thursday um, after it popped. But I think Twitter has gotten to the point at a $30 billion market cap, and that's after a 30% run-up. So it was $24 billion. 
that the opportunity, there aren't that many of these things. There's like three or, you know, maybe five kind of quote unquote social media platforms. You haven't had one start since 2011. I think a Salesforce or a Disney or someone goes, the opportunity to have influence among journalists, actors, politicians, I mean, they do reach a very influential crowd is worth $30 billion. I think there's a... F- I've, always, I've always thought that, but then you look at what Bob Iger said yeah. when he looked at it. He said, I don't want to get in the mess of all of yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, what about a Salesforce? I don't know. They've looked at it. I mean, Benioff looked at LinkedIn. Yeah, but he looked yeah. at Twitter. He right? He looked at Twitter. And I think he looked at Twitter as well. And more, but he was looking more because he, he wanted the content for the AI and everything else. I mean, I don't know. The other thing is, does Macon Delrahim and does President Trump or frankly, it doesn't matter who's in who's in office. Can any of the big guys buy Twitter? Right, right, right. right. That's that's the question. Or is it point. just off the table? Well, you know, interesting. I think a lot of uh, hedge fund people have been talking about it and sort of getting in there. Uh, and, and I've gotten a lot of calls from hedge fund people about Twitter. What do they? What do I think? Do they think it could be bought? You know, it's interesting. Just lately, and maybe that's something that just happens every. You know, it's like a blue moon kind of thing. Um, but it's always sort of thought of that way, but it's never thought of that they can actually productize these things you're talking about themselves. No one ever – people think more that Snapchat keeps innovating its way out of trouble, um, but they, they don't right. think the same of Twitter. Yeah, I don't know what Twitter could do. That's a, It's a very good question. But then – and I mean, look, Google looked at it. Does, it. does it change the landscape for Google? If you somehow merged up Twitter and YouTube, is that – you know, advance your cause. I don't know. But it, but Instagram is where you think the thing is at, is going to be where it's at and always. To me, that's where it's at because that's where I find my focus. That's where I see kids are all focused. That older people, I mean, it's, it seems like across the board, they are just, you know, running the table. Listen to me. We're almost done, but I want, you need to kick us off with win and a fail. Um, do you have an early win this week or something from last Wait, Kara, week? Wait, Kara, I have one more question. Oh, right. Can I interrupt? Go ahead. So yeah, yeah. To, to me, business television seems like it's dying. It yep. seems like someone in an oxygen tank <laughs> buying or selling Amazon that wants to see one of your millions here. of women in a short sleeve dress, although I think you'd be much more interesting in a short sleeve dress. What? Where does business television go? I, I think it's dying. You know, I love, And by the way, I love CNBC. I watch you. I think it's dying. What what is it, what needs to happen here? What what business television I question think, mark your turn? It, the ratings would go up if I wore a short sleeve dress. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> I, you know, you have some limey and milky arms. Come on, move along. I'm not. I'm not actually. I'm not going to agree with the with with the business news argument there because I'll tell you what. There's what? this crazy community of people. Who are die hard? No, they're dying. And they're not me, die hard. They're dying. Let him finish. Well, Scott. you could look, sorry. No, no. Sorry, look, go ahead. you you could you can make that argument. I think that if you look at what CNBC is doing, for example, on air and then on digital, yeah. I think that there's a core look. To me, great content is always about having a core audience, and I think right. there genuinely is a, core, a genuinely core audience. If you go and talk to the CEOs of not just the Fortune 500, but even the guys in the Valley and elsewhere. They, they may not be watching it all live, but they're watching the clips. They want to be on it. Yeah, they want to talk to the audience of investors. Yeah. They're all, it's part of this ecosystem. I can't tell you when I'm doing Squawk in the morning how many phone calls I get or emails during the show live from people on the West Coast, big name CEOs, you know, who say, Sorkin, I can't believe you just said that or right. what's going on with this. Or well, they're they, Andrew you know, Ross Sorkin fanboys, correct? That, that's, that's the difference. No, it is, it, is, it is sort of the business. Tell- I mean, when you think about business news in that format, it, everybody, it, it is in the backdrop. It's playing everywhere. Look, it is. 
The question to me is a little bit more like ESPN, yeah. which is long term from from a cable perspective. Will people, you know, are you going to have to create like an ESPN plus like service? Do people then pay for that? How much do they pay for that? If you believe carriage fees are going to come down long term, how does that all work itself out? That to me is a real sort of uh, question. Uh, but I think that there still is this core group that I think loves it and will pay a lot for it. I am with It'll Andy. be on Instagram. I'm with Andy on this one. Okay, Andy, win and, and right. fail. Win and fail. He's right. What's your win and fail, you Andrew? Innovated, Scott. But go. A win and fail. And this is my own personal wins okay, and fails, right? right? Yes. Whatever you want. Or is this just a win and fail for yes. the week? What Whatever. are we talking about here? Give me the a win and fail. What, what hit you when we said win and fail? I think personal is more interesting. I don't think people know the real Andrew Ross Oh, my God. I don't think they know the win real Win and fail, Andy. Andrew. Don't listen to him. Well, okay. So the the win, so I did an interview with Marcelo Clore this oh. morning. Clore, I should well. say. Uh, first first real TV interview he's done since uh, all the crazy commotion. And he said something so into, So I thought it was a win. Because I thought he opened up about the relationship with Adam Newman and and said that they actually don't talk that much anymore, even though I think that's not what Adam Newman would like him to have said. Because oh. uh, I think that Adam Newman desperately wants to still be All part right, of the Can I just point that out that, sort of that like, Marcello was at the scene of the crime the whole time? So he was. So it's sort of like Bill Gurley and, and, trashing Travis Kalanick. You know, now we are so no, much no, better, and, but they were there the entire 100%. Um, but I actually thought he was humble about it. I mean, in terms of saying, look, we totally screwed this up and All we right. made a mistake. I'm going to so watch that. that felt Would you like invest a... in WeWork at $8 billion? I'm sorry, I interrupted. Would you invest in WeWork at an $8 billion valuation? It's tough. It's right. tough. They have, by the way, close to $15 billion in with, with debt. So that's what I said to him. I said, how do you, how do you get money? How do you, make, how do you become money good? Yeah. Uh, he thinks that they're going to get there. Can they, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a rough road. Uh, big loss for me was... You know, the Squawk Show, which I love doing, makes you go to sleep so early. So I didn't get to watch the Oscars last night. That's what, that's what was a fail. Oh, we hate to hear that. Parasite. That. that was a Parasite. fail. You're welcome. Watch Parasite. Have you seen Parasite? No, that what? another fail. I'm just fail. failing all morning. Fail. Go yeah. watch right fail. now. It's about fail. income equality. F. Go watch it. I know it. Anyway, Andrew, thank you so much. This was totally insightful and fan. You made a lot of good content, let me sort just say, of. in a very short sort time. Of. Sort of. Only sort, <laughs> sort of. of. I'm with Insightful-ish. Uh-uh. Ish. Wrong. Little bit. Super ish. Little bit. It was Galloway the interview. Nah. It was the interview. Nah. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Bye-bye. Bye. Say, Andrew. Okay, Scott. He's brilliant. I'm sorry. You're going to have to go now. Uh, it's my turn for Windsor. I get to follow Andrew Ross <laughs> <Russell laughs> Yes, go uh, ahead. Thanks for that. Go ahead. Thanks for that. Okay. So my... My win is the motion picture or whatever we're calling the Academy. I thought yeah. that they pulled off one of the great brand moves. I think they've they've kind of turned the corner, if you will. I thought that Parasite was just such a unique opportunity, and they yes. seized it. Yes. So, so my fail is the continued shit show, ass clown management of the Democratic National Committee. And a guy named Rajiv Misra, the guy running the Vision Fund, yep. deserves to be fired more than anyone in the world right now. I love that. I was thinking about Gina Rometty. You know, when the chairman sits down and says we're, uh, Romedy, uh says we're we're making, we're going in a different direction as the lead director, he sits her down. I, I wonder if she said, well, you know what? The dog walking app is on its way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy gets to keep his job. Yeah. The head of Vision Fund gets to keep his job. Anyways, that person deserves to be fired more than anyone in the world with the exception of, is his name Tom Perez, the yes. head of the DNC? Yes. And I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw Jim Carvel's rant this I weekend. I loved it. That guy is a fucking genius. It's, he's like, he's a, a political, po- it's about political power. It's about power. <laughs> and our moral imperative. He's a Southern our version moral of imperative, you. Do you know that? He's- it's not, 
It's not to bring fucking Bernie. Why is Bernie Sanders on the debate? This is what Tom Perez or whoever actually has a pair who shows up after Tom Perez is justifiably escorted from whatever building the DNC occupies right now. We should have debates that that say, okay, are you a Democrat? And do you have any? Why the hell is Andrew Yang on the debate stage? I like him. He's got great ideas. So do the guys. So do the writers at the Colbert Report. Should they run for president? You have better ideas and are much more qualified than Andrew Yang. Lovely guy. You know who doesn't want him to be president? Anyone that worked with him. Why is Tom Steyer, a guy that made a billion and a half dollars pulling coal out of the ground, has all of a sudden decided he's an echo warrior and can buy his way onto the stage? And then people conflate him with Bloomberg. Bloomberg was governor of the seventh largest state in the union called Manhattan. He absolutely deserves to be in the race. There are only three people that have any business being on that stage right now, who who everyone finally is going to realize, okay, I've dated and I've flirted with some bad boys or some idiots and the nice guy. There are only three people that matter right now, only three that have any chance of our moral imperative of kicking the weirdo out of the office. First is Bloomberg. Second is Mayor Pete, who barely gets on the stage as the mayor of a town where he got 8,900 votes. Mm-hmm. And then the third and the person with the most momentum is Senator Klobuchar. If they want to sponsor a British Labor Party debate, more power to you, Bernie. Go to that. Uh, he doesn't even okay. say he's a Democrat. He's a fucking socialist. So you want people and the DNC. Fired. You want it, Tom Perez and the guy from SoftBank fired. Okay. I want the DNC to figure out their job is to get Trump out of office. All right. The DNC and SoftBank, Scott, I'm going to have to take you down now. Really? Something happened. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to have to write you an 1130 text tonight about this. What did I do? What did I do wrong? No, I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. What's it? I'm What's so the glad capital of Canada? That has power. It's going to be at 1130. Bank off. It could be 1132. It could be 1133. I don't know when I'm going to send it, but it's going to be. I'm very sensitive yeah. yet offensive. Just wait I by hate the that phone. about wait myself. The and there's a lot wait of things I hate ding. about myself. It's coming. It's coming. You don't, it's going to be a car. We're going to make a movie. Well, let me ask you this. I'm serious, though. Called don't text. You, do you really think this shit show politically correct? Why do we have a democratic socialist right. on stage? Scott. Why do we Scott, have a self-identified socialist running for the Democratic nomination? This is nomination? the United States of America. That's why. And that's the way it goes. There's a lot. Oh, he well, has isn't a lot that of quaint? You're and about to gonna, get Bernie. And the president's going to be Donald Trump. You think Trump. I'm worried you're about to get Bernie Broad on Twitter, et cetera, just so you Oh, know. They're, they're, the only people meaner than them are the crypto and the Tesla weirdos. Right. The Bernie people are very aggressive. Well, a lot, everybody is on that thing. Anyway. What is Kara Swisher doing this week? This week? All kinds of things. Yes. I was supposed to go to California, yeah. but now I'm not. Um, I am I am I am working on lots of things. I have lots of podcasts. I've got all kinds of interesting things. Um, and I nice. will be here in DC just doing things. Um, uh, Amanda's going back to work for the first time after maternity leave, which I think parents in this country should have really? a year off, uh, but they don't. How long did she have off? Just three months. Um, and you're going to send I'm, me some reinforcing and subtle but nice text messages. 11:30 tonight. Late at night, you just right? wait by that phone. Seriously. Yes. And then we're Seriously. we're going to make a movie called Text. And it'll be all about this relationship. I think it's been done. All right. I think it's been done, and I don't think we're that interesting. But anyways, that makes for compelling viewing. All right. I will, <laughs> I will send you a, a love, at 11.30 tonight. I will send you a loving massage of a text, okay? How about that? A, all right. A head Thank scratching you. of a text. All right. I Thank like you it. so much it. for everyone. Um, uh, Scott, would you please uh, read the, the credits uh, as we go? Rebecca Sinanis is our producer. Erica Anderson is our executive producer. 
Special thanks to Drew Burrows and Rebecca Castro. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you to Andrew Ross Sorkin again for coming on the show. Andy. We love you. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back late this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. 